0: So in that particular year of 2008, 2009, going back to a smaller home, only to find out, as I said before, that we were losing that home too. It's like, you know, what do you do now? Three, go. You have reached the I'm done with broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Stay tuned as we go into the installment. What you've been waiting for, we're getting right in. Let's go now. Once again, I'm Sean, your host of the I'm Dealing With broadcast. Oh, you've listened to me talk about some of the installments leading up to where we are. This is season three, The Release. Yes, it's entitled The Release. Why has it been called The Release? And I've led you up to this even since September, October, November last year, and December, letting you know that the new season of season three is going to be called. The release yeah we have books chapters and verses in this season but the reason why it's called release because i've been told season three is the year and the time that i'm going to be released to talk about a few things and you know what let's talk about those things well in my previous installment i've talked about pretty much where we are i've talked about um if you've listened to it and you need to listen to that one, the first installment, I was interviewed by Anna. Yeah, I was interviewed by Anna and um, there were some very candid questions that needed to be addressed that need to be answered. And I had to answer those from my heart, truthfully, you know, my inadequacies where I've been, what I've been feeling, my bad decisions. Well, let's talk about some of those bad decisions. Back in 20, no, we're not going to go 20. Let's go back to nineteen, nineteen hundreds, 1900s, 1997. I was married. I was married in 1997. I met my wife in 96 um, of uh, right around November 90, 96 or October 96. And um, from there, Uh, We had a relationship and it led into marriage of July 5th, 1997. And out of that marriage, many people who don't know, you know, we became one, but I brought one. She came with one. What am I saying? It was a blended family. She had a daughter. I had a son. And um, from... The Union came two more children, so we had a total of four children basically basically in a year and a half after marriage, you know something something wrong that line so all of a sudden, next thing you know, you are a family of four children, and you know there are many ups, and there were some downs, but all in all, you know it was good. We had, we accomplished a lot of good things. We went from the apartment that I had alone to us being in it together for about a month or two. And, uh, they were commuting, you know, from the Los Angeles area, um, from San Diego to Los Angeles to work sometimes, um, not coming home during the week and staying away until coming home on the weekend because it was beneficial for us during that time. And then later, again, after two months or so, we then, um, moved into our place and we stayed there for roughly four to five years. Come 2000, 2001, we had, uh, excuse me, 1999 leading up to 2000, we had been driving, looking for places, uh, because we decided that we wanted to buy, not rent, you know, um, There were plenty of opportunities that kind of opened up for us, one of which was in the San Diego area down there in Chula Vista. Remember that place so vividly, it was a townhouse that we're going to buy was a nice townhouse would have been a good starter. However, but there were issues that we dealt with, you know, because sometimes, you know, you can be in the right place and at the right time, but. You know, God has other plans for you. And it's true that there were other plans for us. Um, But even in the midst of those plans, you know, we we were disappointed based upon what we saw in front of us. Meaning here's the right place, the right time, the right price. And the people who we were working with are dragging their feet. Meanwhile, we had already been traveling into uh, up north. You know, in the Temecula, Winchester area, you know, looking for some other places, you know, just looking around again, you know, because we loved that out there. And next thing you know, an email was sent to us, letting us us know that a place was opening up that they were just building, but they were going to be selling. Wait a minute. What? Yes, I said that they're building and they were going to be selling. So during that time, roughly in 2000, 2001 era, you know, this is during the the big housing market uh, boom, where you, if you were interested in housing, you pretty much had to sign up on a list. And this was during a time that there were fights that were breaking out. People were killed because people were waiting in line to buy. People were cutting in line and a whole lot of stuff. I mean, it was in the papers all over the place. Every, just about every city had to deal with That type of market. And for myself dealing with that type of market, I had to figure out, well, if I was even interested, I'd have to get there early. So come to find out they're going to be selling on a Saturday. So I was able to get reprieve from my job and I left on Wednesday afternoon and showed up to the um, facility to say, hey, I'm here. Is there a list to put my name on? So that way I can be in the running to buy on Saturday. As God was all fit, I opened the door, asked them that question. And then the ladies that were behind the door said, we're glad you're here because you happen to be the first one. (laughs) Man, imagine that. I never thought that we would be number one on the list to buy. So sure enough, there are many people that came later that day. Came Thursday, came Friday, and some had the audacity to show up on that Saturday to try to line up in front of the door. And it just so happened come Saturday when the agents uh, got to the office to open up those doors that they said, well, thank you for those of you that are lining up by the door. But however, we do have a list. And if your name is not on the list, then um, you will not be served today. And we're going to start with number one, the Bowdoin family. (laughs) Right. Yes, we were the first on the list, the very first family to buy. Not only were were we the first family to buy, we're the first house that moved in. We moved in a month earlier than all the other people that we spent the night with. Yes, I said it from the time I got there on Wednesday to the time we bought on Saturday. I spent the night in my van in the parking lot to try to buy this home. And those were the rules. They asked us, they said, well, once you put your name on the list, you and whoever else can set whatever the rules were. So by the time the next group showed up on Wednesday, it was myself and he happened to be my next door neighbor. The rules were if you showed up and put your name on a list, once if you leave for any reason, you were scratched off and whoever is behind you moved up a notch. That's what it was. So there are ways to get around that, you know, so if, you know, your wife showed up, you went home to go shower, but somebody had to be in your spot. That's pretty much how it worked. And uh, yeah, and it worked just like that. So my next door neighbors, they moved in a month after us. But yeah, so we're all alone on this block for a whole month. Oh, yes. And there were challenges. We moved in and everything and come to find out all we had was electricity. We had uh, no gas because come to find out the builder didn't even know that they didn't put the meters on the house when we moved in. So in all honesty, we should have even been in the house. We didn't even know that the meters weren't even on the house. We tried to figure out why were we not getting any gas? Why is the burners not coming on and things of that sort? Why don't we have hot water? Yeah, it was a struggle. That first month was a struggle. So need to say it took roughly almost a week for us to finally get the meters on the house in order to get gas. So we moved in, we finally moved in, um, in December. Matter of fact, it was right before Christmas. And, uh, it was a struggle because it was cold. I mean, it was cold and rainy. So we took everything from our storage and other garages that we were borrowing to move into our home only to find out all we had was electricity. I mean, this, again, this is way before the whole Wi-Fi age per se. Um, you know, your landlines, we had no landline. At that time, we didn't even have cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. You're not having a cell phone during that time. Yeah, there was no cell phones. Our landline hadn't been installed. Our internet provider, our cable slash, we were going to actually do satellite, direct TV at that time, that wasn't installed. We were just happy to finally have a home for us. Again, we were glad to have a home for us. So even when we moved in, one of the things that we had to deal with, we, uh, we had to deal with the cold. So what we decided to do is not even um, focus on staying. So we brought everything in and then after that we left and we went back down south from where we came. And we decided to stay there overnight. Knowing that in order to be where we were without, um, heat. Yeah. Again, no gas, you have no heat, right? So there are things that we were going to need. We had, we borrowed a Crock-Pot, we borrowed uh, two electric heaters, and then we figured it out. There's a lot of benefits that came along with the earlier struggle that many of us, we don't appreciate the struggle. We, we want the benefits, but we don't want to go through the struggle. And the thing about it is in every aspect of our lives, there's a process to everything to where we first have to go through a struggle period before we can appreciate the blessing, before we can actually receive the blessing. There is a struggle period. And if you're only focusing on the blessing, if you're only focusing on what to receive instead of going through the struggle because the struggle is what is called the process. So in this process of time, we're going through a bunch of different things. We're going from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing. And the Lord is continually blessing us as a family. Meanwhile, we're still traveling at that time to San Diego on weekends for how, for our corporate church. So things are doing real well and things are really happening for us on our jobs and, some different things just happen. We go from that to all of a sudden later on, the door opens up to where we were able to get another home. So we go from one home, we purchase a larger home, but we kept our small home and decided to rent it out. And you know, it was a blessing, but at the same time, there are some things that happen later on to where, uh, to make a long story short. Not only did we later lose the larger houses during the housing crisis versus the, the housing boom, but then you had the housing crisis. So not only did we lose the larger house, we decided to keep and hold on to our small house. So we left the larger, went back to our smaller, only to find out we were losing that one, too. It was a struggle for me because for me, I felt like everything that. God had answered was in that first home, you know, for many people, you know, uh, I understand investments and, and using that leverage, you know, to generate your net worth and net base. For me, I wasn't thinking about net worth, net worth, I was net worth and net base. I was thinking about the blessing. So leaving the smaller to go to the larger wasn't because it was necessary It was a one. And we have to be careful sometimes about our wants because sometimes our wants come to haunt us. And as much as I liked the bigger home um, in one aspect, I mean, literally, let's just talk about the one aspect. The one aspect was (laughs) there was a 19 feet wide by 37 foot long home theater that I built in the um, above the garage. Yeah, that's what I missed the most. I mean, literally. You know, a hundred and fifty inch screen, projector hanging from the ceiling, you know, sound that made people jump up off the couch and all that. That's that's that was the thing I miss most about the house. Other than that, there there you know there were some great moments. We had great get-togethers, had some uh, great uh, relationships, met a lot of people. Um, but ultimately, I always felt my blessing was in my smaller home. Honestly. So, in that particular year of 2008, 2009, going back to a smaller home, only to find out, as I said before, that we were losing that home too. It's like, you know, what do you do now? So, we leave that place because knowing good and well, we couldn't hold on to it. It had just gotten out of control. It was gotten out of control. I was very disappointed, despondent, and, um, sometimes you go through a feeling of inadequacy. As I said, you go through the feeling of maybe not being enough. And anytime you lose things, sometimes um, you ask the question of why me, Lord, you do. Sometimes you ask that question of why me, you know, and I'm sure God asked the question, well, why not you, you know, consider my servant Joe, right? But anyway, I was asking the, Really? Why? I don't get it. Why? And um, so we leave. And next, thing you know, Lord opens the door and now we're go from homeowners owning one home two home to losing one home, living in one home, owning that one. And then also losing that one to now we're no longer homeowners or property owners at all. And next, thing you know, now we're renters. Yeah. You know, and now you are trying to make a home out of something that doesn't belong to you. (laughs) Yeah. um, it's, It's tough when you deal with that side of things because you're still trying to figure out how to make it work. But even in the midst of that, God had his hand in things. On my job at the time, because this is also during the time in the very beginning of the housing boom, right around 2003, 2004, I started my own business where I was doing home theater. And even in that home theater market, again, I was considered a luxury business. So when the housing market crashes right around 2007, 2008, 2009. Again, because you're a luxury business, that means people start killing their luxuries, meaning they don't spend so much on things. I mean, look at COVID-19, what has happened with COVID-19 now. There's a whole lot of people who haven't started spending a whole lot of money on stuff that they weren't that were not necessities. And because I was a luxury business, it wasn't something that was a necessity. It was something that if somebody wanted to put a TV on the wall, it, it wasn't a necessity. You know, it was because they wanted it if they wanted home theater speakers in the ceiling. It was a want, not a necessity. If they wanted something put in their backyard, you know, some type of theater space, maybe speakers in their bathroom, speakers in their bedroom. That wasn't a necessity. It's a luxury. So when things kick back, start slowing down in the business, I ended up working for UPS. And the only reason why I went there was because why not, if I'm not bringing in a whole lot of income, what's the best thing you can do? And that is go somewhere where they'll pay you a little something, but you also get benefits benefits where I'm not paying my benefits. Somebody else is paying them. So I said bet. So that's what I started doing. So then it got to the point to where things started picking it back up right around to late 2009, 2010 and so on and so forth again. And so now I am doing UPS early in the morning, you know, getting off right around eight, nine o'clock. And then I'm hopping in my van with the ladders and everything on it. And then I'm going leaving there to go out and go do jobs. And that's how we survived. That's how the Lord, you know, really blessed us, you know, and yes, you know, my wife was working and, you know, still, uh, when she wasn't in San Diego at this time, now by this time she had moved, uh, moved to a, a place closer to home and things were going good. And the Lord just saw, saw fit and continued blessing us in the midst of, um, you know, our struggles, but that, but our struggles weren't over. So there's a lot of things that you have to deal with in that environment when you're a renter and going from having to not having, sometimes it messes with your mind internally and truthfully it also messes with your spirit because I was, um, very, um, if you want to call it angry, I was angry. I was upset, pretty despondent and, um, but still trying to hold it together because after all, we men were told to hold it together. Do not show any emotion, hold it together. Be strong. Don't be a punk, hold it together. Somebody's counting on you, hold it together. But my question is when you're going through, who do we men go to? Who can we talk to? Because a lot of times we don't talk to people because we're, we're in fear of how we are perceived, how we're felt, how things are taken when we try to share our hearts. Because the last thing we want to be told is, as we're sharing, is you're a weak, you're a punk. So it's like, who do we go to? So nine times out of 10, we don't go to anybody. We won't talk to anybody. We hold it all in. When we see the boys, we get into that. Man, what's up? What's up? What's good? You know, everything's going good, blah, blah, blah. You know, and we really don't get a chance to tell our truths because the last thing we want to be seen is to feel inferior in front of our boys. Yeah, I said it. That's the last thing we want to do is feel inferior in front of our boys. And I was going through a moment. And it wasn't just a moment. It was a long time of controversy it was a struggle but in the midst of my struggle i still see god's hand doing things so in this one home we were there roughly four to five years and the next thing you know we get ready to leave that home and then god shows up in our next home and we move to a place by a lake and he shows his hand and um things are going well you know, thing more, more things are being bought financially. Again, we're gonna talk about naturally. We're seeing things things being bought financially, you know, other cars and this, that, and the other, seeing our children progress, and uh, in what they're doing. But sometimes because you don't heal from what was, you mishandle your blessing. And that was me, I mishandled the blessing i became unappreciative of the struggle and in this unappreciation um, caused me to act a certain way that becoming became very unseemly for me i remember one time um, because of again hurts and because of different pain because of a feeling of inadequacy Um, Sometimes we men were so busy trying to make sure, you know, as a saying, go happy wife, happy life. That sometimes in that happy wife, happy life that we're so busy trying to make them happy that we tend to sometimes lose ourselves in the process. And sometimes we feel that maybe it's not reciprocated you know, that there's no appreciation. Now, I was there too. So I was in that lack of appreciation mode. I was in that... I've lost a whole lot. I've put a whole lot into something. I've lost it. It's been taken from me. It's been removed from me. And I don't know how to get it back. I'm struggling how to get me back. I'm struggling how to talk with anybody because after all, in the midst of my struggle, I'm trying to figure out who can I talk to that I can trust and lean on to know that when I talk to them, when I begin to share my heart, that it stays with them. And it it doesn't end up in the weeds. It doesn't end up via cell phone. It doesn't end up, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. It doesn't end up on YouTube. Who can I talk to? Because after all, men, women have all kinds of places they can go to, but men were not taught to share. We're not taught to be transparent. We're not taught to build each other up. We're not taught to hold each other's hand, hold each other up. We're just taught to be the protector. We're just taught to be strong. We're taught to just hang in there in spite of it all. And honestly, truthfully, I was bitter, broken, upset, felt devoured, invaluable, left alone, sometimes ignored. And I finally told my wife. I think it's time for me to leave.